A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. In today's reflection, Father Thomas explains how God revealed his divine providence and that it was no accident that the decision of returning Roe v. Wade was revealed on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Solemnity of the Nativity of John the Baptist. Father discusses how the call to discipleship should always be driven by the question, Is what I am doing pleasing to God? Speaking of Roe versus Wade, a lot of people in the last four to six weeks since it was leaked were wondering why they waited to release final, the uh, final results. Do you know why they waited? You have no idea, so I'm going to tell you why they waited. They didn't wait, God did. You know what day it was when they finally put out the answer? This last Friday. The Sacred Heart of Jesus. You know the another amazing part about it? It was June 24th. Do you know what that day is? Well, come on, Catholic Catholics, you should know that day. It is the solemnity of the birth of St. John the Baptist. It's one of the few days that, I mean, it's rare, of course, in the church, you cycles for that day to fall on the same day together. You know what the readings are about today? You should, we just read them to you, so if you forgot them already, but we're really in trouble. It's about discipleship and how we respond to the world around us. It's about being able to give of ourselves when nobody else wants to. In the bishop's letter, which I think must have been inspired by my homily, he says in the one line that the Ukrainian lady said, I did it simply because it's the right thing to do. Because it's the right thing to do. So what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? We're all disciples, we know that. In simple terms it means that everything that we do, every choice we make, every action, every thought, should always be driven by this question. And what I do mean, pleasing to God. Am I doing something that is drawing me or somebody else closer to the heart of God and Christ? Is my choice something good? Is it something beautiful? Is it building the kingdom of God? If we can't say yes to those questions, we shouldn't be doing it. I'm always amazed still how many times I'm asking somebody about their spiritual journey the first thing people will say, they'll kind of jokingly say, well, I haven't killed anybody today. Well, that's kind of good, I guess. They'll go on and they'll start going down all the list of things they haven't done. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen from anybody. I didn't lie. I didn't skip mass. I didn't make fun of anybody. I didn't abuse anybody. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. 
At the end of their list, what have they accomplished? They did a whole lot of nothing. A disciple doesn't spend their life simply avoiding that which is wrong. We spend our life pursuing that which is right. We go out of our way to make sure we're doing something good. It's not a matter of simply not killing, not stealing, not lying. It's about responding to those people who do kill and steal and lie. In the world where people don't want to give, who don't want to love, who don't want to try, the disciple gives more, loves more, tries more. If you think about your spiritual journey, if all you did was a bunch of, I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't do, where's your relationship with God? The exact same place it was before. You accomplished very little, you just simply didn't move backwards. But you never took a step forward. How many of you know what the word disciple means? One of these days I'd like to see the entire congregation raise their hand and say, ooh, Anyway, so until that day, I will just continue to ask questions and continue to look at me, wait for an answer. The disciple is a student. But not a student like we have in the classroom today. We have a bunch of kids sitting around. They go to school for a few hours. Back then, a student was somebody that spent their entire days with their teacher. They lived together. And it wasn't just for a day. It was for weeks, for months, even sometimes for years. That's why the disciples of Christ spent three years with him. Because the teacher was somebody that would tell them how to do a vocation, how to live a professional life. They were teaching them a trade that allowed them to go to support their families. And a student was called to imitate their teacher in all things. And a good student became one who could not be distinguished from the teacher. So what is a disciple? Someone who cannot be distinguished from Christ. What he did, we are called to do. What he thinks, we are called to think. How he loves, we are called to love. How he gives, we are called to give. And Jesus never once asked the question, what don't I have to do? He always asked this question, Father, what do you want me to do? Every single day, we should have one thing in our mind as disciples. God, what are you asking me today? And he'll never say to you, don't do this. He'll always say to you, I want you to do this. Disciples don't ask what to avoid. They ask, how can we give more? That's radical discipleship. That's what we're called to be in this world. You listen to the stories of the, uh, the gospel, Jesus comes down pretty hard on the people. One person says, oh Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. How many of us have ever said that? Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. If I were to ask you, will you follow Jesus wherever he goes, you're going to say yes, right? You know what Jesus' response is going to be? Foxes have dead, and birds of the sky have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. You're going to go, what the heck are you talking about, Jesus? They say, because I'm tired of hearing that answer, and people are not being honest with me. If you're going to follow me wherever 
I go, then you follow me wherever I go. And you know where Jesus went? Right there. That's where he goes. He says, that's where a disciple goes. The disciple goes where the world is not willing to go. To sacrifice when they're not willing to sacrifice. To give when others aren't willing to give. To love when others aren't willing to love. We have to be the peace when the world is running around in violence. We have to be the one willing to turn our cheek when everybody else wants to pick up a gun. We have to reach down deep in our pockets when everybody else is holding on to their wallets. We have to be the ones to open our doors when everybody else is shutting them. That's discipleship. Follow me, he says. The Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Sounds good to me. And Jesus responds that the dead bury their dead. Because he knows this man is using this as an excuse to walk away and not come back. And the one that's the big kicker is the final one. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. And Jesus says, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. He wasn't going to say goodbye to his family. He was going to go back and miss what he thought he might be leaving. He was going back to try and make a decision, do I really want to follow Jesus? Because I have things back home that I might want to hold on to. Do you remember what the first reading was? The exact same scenario. Elijah goes up to Elisha and says, follow me, you will be my disciple. What does Elisha say? Let me go back and say bye to my family, right? So why is Elisha praised and this man of the gospel is not? Because the man of the gospel is going back and cling to the plow. Elisha went back and destroyed it. His very means of livelihood, he went back and destroyed it to say goodbye to his family. He said, my whole life is over. What I used to live is gone. It's all... I'm burning it up. He made the decision that there was no going back. And that's discipleship. When Jesus says, follow me, we don't make excuses. We don't ask when. We don't say how much. We simply say, yes, Lord. I will do whatever you ask. I will go wherever you go. That's what this weekend is about. It's telling us what real discipleship is all about. That's why he got so angry at James and John. They're walking through Samaritan town. Samaritans couldn't stand the Jews. And when Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, they knew that you must be a Jew. So that's why they didn't welcome him. And James and John were like the people of the world today. They're not going to welcome our master. He's our best friend. He's a great guy. How could you not do that? Hey, Jesus, do you want us to call out thunder and burn them all up? I'm surprised Jesus didn't take out a thunderbolt right there and smack him upside the head with it. He said, have I been with you so long that you do not know what a disciple is? When somebody betrays you, hates you, rejects you, when somebody hurts you, scorns you, makes fun of you, when somebody treats you like garbage, what is the response to all of that? You love them back, you forgive them, you give to them, you hold out your hand to them, you let them know that they are still somebody, even when they think you are nothing. That is discipleship. 
It's not a matter of walking away from hatred, it's walking into it. Jesus never ran from those who hated him. He let them do their worst.